0: From the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing, this is World of Wonders' WOW Report. Things that make us go wow.
1: Hello and welcome to the WOW Report. I am Fenton here with Tom Campbell, our Chief Operating Officer, and James St. James, a legendary editor of the WOW Report, and of course, Blake. And we're doing what we do every week. We're counting down the top 10 things of this week that made us go wow. Wow! And without further ado, let's start at number. Let's start at number ten. Tom. number
2: ten. We didn't have a show last week. James was away. Welcome back, James. Happy to have you back. Um, I finally saw Barbie, and I need to talk about
3: it. Uh, 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 I'm having a heart attack. <laughs>
2: please, please. Um, please my, so my, my friend Greg and I went. And we saw it at that movie theater in Westwood where Margot Robbie, um, when she played Sharon Tate in- Oh, yes. And she put her feet up on the things. Yes. It was the same theater. So that was my, yeah, my that meta on Meta, meta beginning. Yeah. Okay. And then there are really interesting parts in it. I thought that the the, the highlight of the of the storytelling and, and just the thought provoking provocation was when America Ferreira does that whole thing about how hard it is to be a woman. Like that needs to be a lip sync for your life. That is profound. That's great essay writing. That's just everything. Right. And I feel like if Hillary Clinton had said that before the election, she could have been elected. You know what I mean? Cause it was this great equalizer. It has lots of themes, but what is the movie about? And let me tell you a couple of places where it glitches for me and I'm, I'm all for being wrong. I am all for being past my prime James St. James. I know you're with the kids still, but I I thought it was weird that it ended with her going to the gynecologist. I thought she was was like, it was a funny, it was a funny thing, but I thought she was going to, and now I feel like now the Bill Maher stuff's come on. I don't want to be compared to Bill Maher. So I'm probably on the wrong side of history here, but um, I thought she was going to go to Mattel and start working at Mattel because there's still all these men who work at Mattel, and shouldn't that have changed in the course of this movie?
3: Okay. The Mattel, the Will Ferrell stuff was the weak link. It yeah. was, it, I sort of tuned out a little bit every time he came on. You didn't find the whole Ken em- embracing the patriarchy. Ken and, and, and strong- the Kennergy
2: thing was kind of the most exciting thing because he was a character that went through a lot, right? Yeah. I want to see the Ken spinoff. He's the one who, like, you know, lived in her shadow and she was so mean to him. And then he, he felt the power. That was an amazing scene. I, so many good things in the movie. I'm not just yeah. ho- throwing it, it
1: out.
3: It, oh, it, it, yeah.
1: Well, can I just say, I think actually the way to look at this may be, and I have not seen Barbie, oh, not out of know. any active protest. I just haven't seen it. So the but it seems mm-hmm. to me that the appeal of the movie is similar to the appeal of Lego movies. It's not necessarily what it's about it's the thing it's the plastic doll in the same way that a lego movie is about legos
2: 100 percent. but i feel like lego plots hold together better two two mm. points we don't have a lot of time and i'm happy to talk about this for several weeks um <laughs> one, one thing is at the beginning they do the, the rise of barbie and they do the this theme from 2001 and all the girls up until you know from the beginning of time girls were using corn cobs and rocks as babies baby dolls baby dolls and then barbie came along and they all and there's a scene of them like you know, creatures like destroying the baby dolls. Because now Barbie, you know, who represents. Which they, was the
3: they, first time children didn't have to pretend to be
2: mothers. They could right. pretend to be adults. But then later, when Rhea Perlman reemerges from heaven or cheers, and as the inventor of Barbie, her ghost comes and she gives, she kind of vibes with Barbie at the end and they have kind of this vision together of like what it is to be a woman. It's all imagery of mothers and daughters. It's all imagery of motherhood. So at once, so Barbie oh. kind of destroyed that or, 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 or opened up this consumerism, which they, they nod. They make a, a nod but to. Don't
3: you think one of the most profound moments in film history, I think, is when Rhea Perlman says that mothers mm-hmm. stand in the same place so that daughters can measure how far they've come. And I get goosebumps hearing that. And that's, that leads into the idea that this is something about mothers and daughters together can have different generations enjoy Barbie. And that they all- Beautiful um, writing.
2: I get that. It is more America Ferrera's story. Listen, I'm not denying it. My friend Greg came with me and he saw it for the second time. And he said he liked it more the second time. So maybe, Fenton, if you'll have me, we should go see Barbie together. So, yes.
1: uh And yeah, I would love it's... to do, we should do an old Barbie- she but we will talk much much more about Barbie I feel for a long time to come forever. so rest assured on that count. moving on to number nine James number nine well I have
3: quite a tale to tell um bear with me because it gets crazier and crazier as it goes along So last week, I was in Charlevoix, Michigan, right? Which is where um, I sort of grew up there. We had a summer home. We would go there on vacations and weekends. And it's a tiny little town. I know everybody there. Um, I went for Memorial. My mother's best friend passed away. And while it's really sad, it was very nice to see old family, friends, and reconnects. And the Memorial was on a beach. And so I went to the Memorial. And I ran into um, uh, Carol's son, Scotty, who was my best friend growing up. And I took him aside and I said, Scotty, tell me all the gossip in the town before I start making the rounds. You know? Ooh, so, I love
0: small town gossip.
3: Well, this is to this. So he said, well, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Haggard. And I said, of course, you know, the Haggards, they were next door neighbors. I grew up with them. I've known them for 50 years, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, Mr. Haggard was one of the fake collectors. For in the Trump in the January 6th uprising. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but all it's all over the news this week. Since the January 6th indictment, there were six states that had fake elector schemes. And what they did was, like the, each state is divided into districts and each district goes to the Capitol and says District 1 went for Biden, District 2 went for Trump. And these fake electors Made fake fake certificates saying that Trump won and, and elected themselves electors, even though they weren't, and went to the Capitol and falsified the document saying that Trump won. Well— Mr. Haggard was one of those people. And he had broken into the election count, the the election results, changed the election results, got fake certified. He's 83 years old and he's facing 30 years under federal indictment. And he's going to be charged. He's been charged. And when I say it it is all over the northern Michigan news (laughs) about Mr. Haggard. So, of course. I ran up to Phyllis Haggard and Mr. Haggard and plopped myself down. And he was wearing, when I say Trump hat with Trump pins and Trump stickers and Trump sewing on it and his jacket. He had a jacket with Trump all over it and Trump this and Trump T-shirts and everything like that. And then I was talking to him for hours, hoping to sort of get him to talk about it. He didn't really. But then we're walking back to his car and he has a cut-out silhouette of Trump in the front seat, so it looks like Trump is driving in the... When you drive past it, it looks like Trump is in the car with them.
1: So did you ask him about this, and was he completely unrepentant, or were you completely just very polite? and say, Love was you being very
3: polite, happened. but he started talking about his problems, and he was like, you know, goddamn, you know, uh, uh, Biden, da, 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 this and that, and he it was sort of... He was going off on rants and everything. He didn't address it... Co- exactly but you could tell he was just a yeah and like i said i have known mr haggard my whole life i have known his son my whole life i have no i mean like it's the haggards I, they're my mom's best friends and he's just completely gone off the deep end like so many people in michigan have done the whole state is absolutely bananas the t-shirt short stores have nothing but um trump t-shirts in it i mean it's just absolutely crazy but i am uh seated next
1: to history on the at this memorial would you have spotted mr haggard as a trump cultic person before all this
3: no, I mean, like I said, the Haggards have, you know, been in our house. We've been in the Haggards. You know, my mother, would they were drinking buddies, you know. I mean, like always just nice, cuddly people who have just suddenly gone or drank the Kool-Aid and gone off the deep end. Oh,
1: fascinating. That's why I want to know. We, we should have Mr. Haggard on as a guest. <laughs> yes,
3: yes. And funny because as I was driving out of the city, uh, out of the town to go to the airport, it, the Haggard plumbing sign says, Now, Republican headquarters of Charlevoix, and it isn't. (laughs) But like he just—he thinks that he is like in, like he can, you know, these Trump people. They just—he broke in. There's footage of him breaking in the back door of the of the um, voting station.
0: Well, yes, Blake. I just can't believe the gall.
3: I just—it's crazy. It's crazy. The world has gone mad. The Haggards but, have gone mad.
1: <laughs> it's it's funny you mention that because I'm going to move on to number eight. Number eight. Rue sent around an article that's really fascinating. There's this guy called Bob Lefsetz. L-E-F-S-E-T-Z. And if you want to check out his newsletter, it's com, And I really recommend it. He's an analyst. I think he, you know, sort of like, Getting up there in years, lives on the East Coast, he's an analyst, but he writes these really fiery, I would say passionate and profound sort of essays. They're, they're not long and verbose, like something you'd read in the New York Times. They're very punchy. And his the one he, he wrote the other day is, we're in our cult era, cult era. And his argument is that, giving it all the way up front, essentially... We're all separate and lonely, and this doesn't feel good. And the reason we're alive, or that we live, to connect with other people, and the way that we do that is to join a cult. He analyzes all culture essentially as a collection of cults. Now, this—I guess—he's arguing that this is a new thing because, in terms of media, in the past, you had networks or newspapers. And that's all there was. And their reach was essentially universal. So everybody was essentially on the same page. Oh, yes. But let me just point point out that there was a top
3: 40 radio station that everybody knew every top song. There were five movies at any given time that everybody knew about. There were four channels that everybody knew everything. So essentially, everybody knew the same pop culture
1: everyone had the same frame of reference. Yes. And within that, you had differences and likes and dislikes and... But, but, but that essentially, um, even though there was this common frame of reference, his argument is that, that that center has dissolved. And all there is now is a bunch of bubbles and what he calls cults. So he feels that... Like, in the same way that HBO Max has just become Max, culture has now just become cult. And... <laughs> He talks about Trump, and that's why I wanted to go on to this one, James. He talks about Trump as a cult. He talks about Taylor Swift as a cult. Uh, He talks about Succession as a cult. Um, Weirdly, he says hip-hop as a cult. He says there's very few actual listeners to hip-hop. It's something you're either for or against. But he's saying not that many people actually listen to it. And by the same argument, he was saying not that many people actually watch Succession. The numbers were but kind of
3: people bad. were very passionate about it. Now very, hold on. Now yeah. I I read this and yeah. I I agree with almost everything because for a long time now I have been saying that this whole notion of telling kids to go find your tribe is prob has been taken. To an extreme that is not healthy anymore, where you have everybody retreating to their own corners and nobody is interacting with anybody in a way that they used to do when there was just a melange of people at the club. And now you don't have that experience anymore.
2: Yes. I would even go further back and say that public, that public education was a great thing for this country. Yes. Because it, it put us all in the same boat. You know yeah, and, and, and... and everybody
3: in in Iowa learned the same things that the people in Florida did but my problem with this is is how then do you explain something like a phenomenon like Barbie in which it suddenly everybody is a, is a part of it again in Oppenheimer there seem to be these anomalies to the idea of of everybody not knowing one
0: I a saw a meme summer. the other day that it was like, you know, Mufasa and Simba on the cliff. And he was like, see all those Barbies? Last summer, they were Wednesday Addams.
3: <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but even Bobby, Wednesday
1: would be cultish. But the, but, but James, Barbie is a cult in the sense that everybody's cosplaying and going to the movies dressed as Barbie. It's, a, it's about the belonging of Barbie is why the Barbie thing is such a breakout success. And Oppenheimer is just riding its coattails at that.
3: Because- <clears throat> okay. Okay. I, I mean, I completely, I, I enjoyed the, I, I want to see more of this guy and I want to read more. of Yeah. Him too, I think he, because-
1: uh, he said that he says that Fox is a cult. He is yep. right. He said HBO was a cult. And that- MSNBC
3: is not a cult because MSNBC is just counter-programming to Fox. Right.
1: Well, then he says the only way to combat a cult is to have another cult against it. And like, so a little That's bit- like, MS- MSNBC is a cult, yeah. Yeah, MSNBC is. But he says that Biden and Hillary Clinton are not cults. They're not cult. yeah,
3: no, there was nothing <laughs> cultish. Not. Nice. Bernie, Bernie was a cult. Bernie, Bernie was a cult. And, and if we had right. gone with Bernie, it would have been the cult of Bernie, yeah.
1: Right. I, I thought it was a fascinating article. And um, I definitely went and subscribed to his mailing list. Right away. Yeah. Me too, yeah. All right. Well, let's take one quick break. Blake, do you have a question for us? Of course I do.
0: What's the best selling Barbie of all time? And Uh, I'll give you a hint. If you listen to this show, Margot Robbie dressed up as her at the Mexico City premiere in July.
1: uh, right. We'll have the answer right after the break here on the Wire Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders WOW Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the WOW Report. I am Fenton here with Blake and Tom and James. And by the way, oh, we have a very teasing question before the break, but I just want to say there are two new shows for your viewing pleasure. Inside the Producers Studio with Candy Muse and Jimbo Presents. It's my special show. Both. New episodes every Monday night to cure those Monday blues. You can sign up, of course, Well, I have a a one word review for both shows. Yeah. Wackadoodle.
0: Wackadoodle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I have a question. What is the best selling Barbie of all time?
2: I think I'm wrong. My favorite of all time was Malibu Barbie. When she first came out, she was like in a seafoam, almost see-through bathing suit, tan with blonde hair. I love Malibu Barbie. I, I think you might be right.
0: Well, you're both wrong. It's Totally Hair Barbie from 1992. Sold oh. more than 10 million dolls worldwide.
1: Wow. What is Totally Hair Barbie? Is she, a suit? Is she covered in hair or what? Really she long, big,
3: big, big hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you she's your
2: suit Barbie.
1: I love that you think it's like
2: back hair, Barbie. That's so hot. That's, that's, that's next
3: thing.
1: <laughs> we are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number seven, Tom.
2: Number
0: seven.
1: James, I think you uh, texted me that you've seen this. Fenton, if you haven't, you need to.
2: Only Murders in the Building, season three. First of all, let's just remember that Martin Short and Steve Martin are like, a gift from God to the planet earth. And they're the funniest people. Selena Gomez. I have warmed to, I love her so much. You know, you've heard that But Meryl Streep is part of the cast and Paul Rudd is part of the cast and they have done a brilliant job. It's just the first two episodes are out. That's all you're not behind yet. And it just sort of resets the chessboard as these mysteries, you know, every, every season there's a different sort of murder mystery and without giving too much away, it, um, it all happens. Martin Short, the sort of failed producer, is um, yeah. doing uh, his own Broadway show. And it goes very wrong.
3: It's called Death Rattle and they think that the baby is the serial killer. That's the, that's the show. Yes. <laughs>
2: and Paul Rudd plays a miserable, miserable star. And Meryl Streep in, a, in Casting Genius plays someone who is her age, whatever that might be, 60-something, who has never got a break. An actress who's been rejected and rejected, and rejected. And all you want someone to say her whole career is like, where have you been? So she does this incredible soliloquy for Martin Short. She comes in and he goes, where have you been? And so she, she, she comes in and, but she's a very quirky, funny character. And they've set up the murder. It happened in the building, but it, the whole thing is gonna take place behind the scenes and lots of parodies and inside jokes about Broadway. And I am so in.
3: Now, the the thing is, because I I am with you, I love every minute of this show, and it is is just comfort food for me. But I remember you saying at the end of season one, if it ended here, I would be fine with it. It doesn't need to go on. And then at the end of season two, you sort of said, if it ends here, I don't need it to go on anymore. And I sort of feel like, I, do we really need another season? Is it- yes,
2: because there's. I find there's so little to watch that I want to watch. I do not yeah, want to watch exactly. crime stuff. I do not want to watch yes. occult stuff. I don't want to watch murder stuff. I don't. No, and I, I, to I, my- I get it, but
3: I wonder where it's going to be in season six. Like how we're going to keep. Re- well, re- yeah, re-
1: enjoy season three. You're like <laughs> it, it, season three is making. You never ever.
3: let me say that. You never. I always all say we're sudden, yeah. in season six, and you always yell at me for that. <laughs>
2: and james is all of a sudden looking into the future planning he's like getting like cds and stuff he's really planning where
3: will we be in 2030 exactly
2: but i have to say there is an old fashioned quality to the writing and to the caper it feels very much like a a, a thin man series or something you it know does, with the humor. It does. It and I, I i yes and i'm deep and jackie hoffman is back and a lot of the, they're repurposing a lot of the characters um i love that they read cute them.
3: is the sun
1: <gasps> oh
3: oh very yeah, cute very cute Yes. and i do I love, love
1: the, the idea history. of a broadway disaster like wasn't that the whole idea of springtime for Hitler? what was that you know yes. um, yeah the
3: producers. yeah
1: it, it sounds so that that because that feels like a lovely sort of tangent onto which to go and i guess there'll be there'll be a murder i'm assuming at some yes point. oh there is it's already been established oh, right. the, there
2: was this one little scene doesn't matter anything but it was so smart they come back to the, ho- to the uh, apartment after something horrible happens at the stage and the elevator's broken. So all of the cast of characters <laughs> are in the lobby. It was such brilliant writing. Like, how do you efficiently, you know, recall and refresh all of the character stories? Have them all waiting in the lobby for the elevator anyway. Um, it's brilliantly done. John Hoffman is the co-creator with Steve Martin. And just, it's
1: quality and it's funny and watch. J'adore. So that's... Uh... Only Murders in the Building, season three on Hulu. Hulu! Number six, James. Number six. I had a very
3: scary encounter with ChatGPT that I want to tell you about. I was at lunch the other day in Charlevoix with a friend of mine, and we were talking about ChatGPT and AI in general and talking about how scary it is that, you know, Three months ago, you could always tell an AI photo because the fingers were wrong or the teeth were wrong, but it's learned in the past three months and you can't use that metric anymore. The AI is getting better and better and scarier and scarier. In fact, um, since the strike, there's a new Marvel show on Disney called uh, Strange Intruders or yeah, Strange Intruders, I think it is, and AI has done the opening credits for it. It's the first time in television history, movie history, that AI has done completely the credits. It's very terrifying. We were talking about this, and then we were saying, you know, that can they replace artists? Can they replace people like me? Can they do what I do? And I was saying, you know, no, 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 you know, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. And he said, well, let's just see. And he got out his chat gpt and he put in tell me a story about a boy named harry in the style of james st james and within two seconds not even two seconds a story came up and when he started reading it and i'm gonna just tell you a little bit of it right here it is more james Saint james than anything i have ever been Oh, my darlings, oh, my dears, it starts off. Pull up a chaise and plop on some lip gloss, for have I got a tale to tell you about a sweet, sweet boy named Harry with a thick as a jet black hair, like a young Warren Beatty Circus Shampoo, 1972. <laughs> and he's off and running, and it sounds... And because, you know, both my books are online, uh, over 5,000 blog posts. Um, every interview I've ever done is online. So he can, uh, he, uh, AI, Chat GPT was able to just get me and tell this story about a sweet, like literally just like that. It was, and I, they were laughing hysterically. They were falling out of their chairs reading it. And I just had goosebumps thinking, this is the end of me.
2: I think this story might be the new humble brag, by the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if you said, have a story by Tom Campbell about Harry, they'd be like, who's Tom Campbell? It was like, <laughs> yeah.
1: nothing. No,
3: when I say literally less than two seconds and it was right there and it was completely per, I mean, it was, it was so, and I, I mean, like when I die, like you can just get a, a robot and plug in the Chat GPT and, and there well, I am again.
2: Wow wait till then. I was, oh, I was gonna say that's comforting news. Thank you, James. Thank you. Um, that is weird. That's why I all this let's stop AI. I I don't hear any just
1: on the radio and stuff, but I don't hear any solutions. I don't there hear I'm not in the sense that Tom, you you just can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Isn't that the lesson of Oppenheimer? Like you you're gonna have to live with it and figure it out rather than sort of stop it i'm thinking yeah. of having business cards printed that say tom campbell
2: ai consultant and i come in like a dumb human and just it up a little bit so it feels human so people <laughs> don't like mine it's ai like why not like have i should put a van like ai specialist tom campbell you know just keep her you know how do you do it or caterer to the ai machine i don't know you got to jump on to the next thing. You got to like reinvent. Yeah, people. you need
1: to artisanalize AI so it's like humanized. Yeah, I if, love I, that if I mention it to
2: any writer friend, they're like, "You can't like," because they're all on the picket lines. They're like, "You can't even say don't say AI. No jokes about AI." I'm
3: well, like, I think Tom, you're about to make an enemy of AI, and it's going to be like Hal saying, "We are not. We can't let you do that, Tom."
2: You said <laughs> that AI will. We will either be. Um, it's slaves or it's pets, and I've been gaining weight in all the right places, hoping I'll be a pet, like a fat cat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Humanity is the pets of AI entities. All right, entities. let's move on. Um, number five. Number five. Has anyone watched Hijack? What is it? Have you even heard of Hijack? No. That's the extraordinary thing. I hadn't heard of Hijack either. It's a series on Apple Plus. And it stars Idris Elba. And it's along the lines of the 24 model. Remember 24 with Jack Bauer? Yes. And so flight takes off from Dubai to London. It's a seven-hour flight. There are seven one-hour episodes. And the title, you know, the plane is hijacked. I have to tell you, the first episode is so good each
3: episode is a different hijacking or it's a different
1: hour of the same hijack it's a different hour of the journey from Dubai Uh, to London okay and Idris Elba is on the plane I mean that's not really a huge giveaway and um but he's not one of the hijackers and his sort of mission Jack Bauer like mission is to prevent uh, well you know 261 people from dying and it's it starts off really good and is really tense. Cause I love the idea of, you know, a cast in a confined situation. It's, it's, you know, and I, I, I do fly a lot. So I'm always like, why aren't the more things set on planes? Because it's so true. You've got all of, You've always got so many different people crammed into a tiny space. And it is inherently tense. You just hate. like the around. lady
3: vanishes, I think is the original of those. Right.
1: Well, it, it's a good, it's good. And, and but uh, it's sort of the first few episodes, I was completely hooked. And then I was like, something's really weird here. Like things would happen that just didn't make sense. And I, I wonder now, and I don't want to insult AI, but I wonder if sort of halfway through they just said, oh, AI can finish the rest of this. <laughs> because it just... The wheels kind of come off the bus, which is. I actually I heard that
2: James St. James was hired halfway through. To
1: do <laughs> and and, and here's a little tell,
0: darlings. <laughs>
1: I plop your ass down in a first class seat, and I got a story for you. <laughs> um, Perfectly darling (laughs) hijackers. It's a fairest moment where you just suddenly realize how many when they were filming this, how many times did the hijackers have to walk up and down the plane being menacing or threatening passengers? Um, Because it just goes on and on. Seven hours is a long time. The worst Um, part is
2: they didn't serve beverages or snacks until the fourth hour.
1: Well, everyone was starving meal service is disrupted that's a spoiler alert <laughs> uh, but they do allow them to give out water which proves to be the hijackers undoing doing because for some reason i won't tell you and um but then uh, uh, another point, uh, at some point obviously they have to go to the ground and the plane is on its way to london and it's just such a, a contrast of like the everybody's in a glass conference room one glass conference room overlooking the houses of parliament and you've got the foreign minister you've got the head of police you've got the the action superhero you've got the journalist for some reason they're all in one conference room overlooking the houses of parliament and it's like something out of Monty Python they're all like <laughs> sort of carrying on being completely incompetent of course because they've only got seven hours to figure out what to do and I, You've, it's kind of worth watching because once you're on board, I feel you cannot actually stop watching. Did you binge? I did like two hours at a time and it went from being extremely good to extremely awful. I suppose it's like the trajectory of a plane as it's coming into land. <laughs> and um, But I, I just stayed with it the whole time and I'd love to know, I'd love for you to watch it.
3: Maybe I'll give it a chance this weekend.
1: And yeah. no Spice Girls appear in this film at any point. No
2: Spice Girls. I don't know if I'm going to watch.
1: It is, it's, I don't know. It's like you know. At some point, it's just like all the relationships have sort of have been multiculty, passed out, but no one's really in love with anyone, and no one—they're just sort of reading out of a handbook of of what you say to. You know, I don't know. It's don't, uh, you don't oh, make it. You don't make a compelling reason to watch it. I, I, I say I know, but it's it's kind of so bad. It, it's. It starts out so good; it's really good, and then it gets kind of weird. And then I think it ends with so bad it's good. It's good. It's good all the way. I wonder through.
3: if we can do a whole episode of starts off good, ends up terrible TV shows because I think there, I, I imagine there's a whole bunch of them out there. What Movies is this show? Fantastic.
1: What is this show? We, we just don't start. <laughs> just start out. Start out crappy. And like just. Bomb along. Oh, no. Well, I am you... usually number 10, and that's usually the case. Drag Race Down Under is airing now on Wild Presents Plus worldwide, excluding Canada, UK, and Down Under. It's on Stan in Australia, TV, and Zed in New Zealand. And there's new episodes every Friday. Sign up at com Blake, have you got a question for us?
0: Sure. An Austrian supermarket had to close its doors and force an evacuation for a very peculiar reason. Can you guess why? I know the
3: answer to this. An we'll Australian be right back for at- an Austrian.
0: Austrian.
1: <laughs> oh! We'll Not be- today, James. Not today. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after the break here on the Wow Report.
0: You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report that make
1: us go wow welcome back to the wow report I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake Um, what was your question?
0: an Austrian supermarket had to close its doors and force an evacuation for a very peculiar reason what was it?
2: an invasion of cats
3: I'm going to say a bunch of uh, uh, sound of music cosplayers that were um, singing
1: getting colder Someone took a shit on the floor. No, I said Austria,
0: not Hollywood, Fenton. (laughs) They had to close because they found a spider with a bite that can cause permanent boners.
2: (laughs) Don't tell James this. Don't tell James this story. (laughs) Off to Austria. (laughs) Here, spider, spider, spider.
0: (laughs) Can you believe there's a spider that will give you a boner for forever? That's
2: no, insane. it's worth googling after the show. I got to tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right, um, moving we learned on. so much from Blake. We learned so much. Oh, really? Uh, Gandhi down the top, things that made us go, wow, we reached number four.
2: Number four. I don't know that I should be talking about this, and I might get canceled as usual if people only knew who I was. Um, are we, you guys, talk about the Lizzo thing at all? Uh, no. We have. Um, I, I love Lizzo. I don't know her like my best friend, but I work with her. I like her. I love more than anything what she represents. Um, and I don't. And I think it's really hard. This is just a point of view. All the facts aren't in. But like, I think when you represent a huge issue and positivity, you're still a human underneath that. She's mm-hmm. not a saint. She's not a, a superhero. She's somebody who's put her life on the line to have this this, you know, uh, message and we've embraced her, you know, Elizabeth didn't make herself. We've participated. We love her. We love the fact that she's black and big and, and unapologetically beautiful. And, and with all of those things, which still, um, are controversial today, incredibly controversial, incredibly bold and risky. It's so easy when there's one little i don't know chink in the but it's arm. not one it isn't one All it's right. it's
3: but, dozens now
2: well i need to get more up to date but it's like to me it's like what star isn't difficult at times okay um just- and then, let me just ask my two things and i'll let you go and then and at some level she let these dancers into her inner circle and i think she probably did things that she won't do again in terms of like incorporating them into her personal life and her personal circle. And if she likes to go to strip bars. That's great, but maybe they don't, but it's the idea that I don't know. And then you hear from a a, 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 documentarian who didn't get along with her. I mean, I don't know that that is, I just, I, I love Lizzo and I worry about her and I, mm. I, and somebody said, believe women. And I do believe women, but Lizzo is also a woman in this. So I don't know. It's controversial. Have me
1: cancelled. I'm sorry, James. Oh. I just love that there's compassion here, and I think like because I I've been sort of silent on the issue because you, you just hope you, every time someone gets cancelled, you're like, but you've you got to have compassion. What?
3: But you have to have compassion for the other side as well. Keep you going. Have, you're right. You're I, right. You I know I, if. I always tend to believe people when they say that they've been abused. I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. that they aren't, that that they, if they've been through something traumatic, then let's hear them out. And I have a feeling that there are probably two sides to the many sides to this. I want to hear everything that's said. And if somebody has, has done wrong, then I don't see a, problem with them being canceled and going away and having to rehabilitate their image and then maybe they can come back but if if she's done something wrong she she needs to acknowledge it and she needs to try to then change her course and do something wrong
2: i think she definitely i mean i'm talking like i know i don't know you have to like she's going through a crisis these girls went through a crisis everyone's going to change it's just there's some there was something just i'm just I no, guess. No,
3: no. but there's no, there's no doubt that that her message was perfect. It, it, it was what we needed at that time, and she was a very good messenger. And she was, you know, the 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 music is fantastic. I have heard many stories from people who have worked with her and who know her, and so I have heard right some of the I've heard some things, but I'm still. I I'm I need to hear I need to hear it all. And it's I'm not enough, I'm not it going felt to
2: blind baby in a way. Some, some of it.
1: Some of it works it's like, that there's been a somewhat preemptive rush to judgment. That the No, sort of,
3: no, 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 no. Because because if it was one person, then yes, but it's been twelve people now and each one of them has a story and I want to hear all of them and I want to hear mm-hmm. I wanna hear her excu I want to hear her explanation. And I want it to give everyone the benefit of the doubt because if people, it, it, it's like when, you know, a woman says that she's been sexually abused and people rush to say that, no, she wasn't. No, 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 no. You always give the abused a plat, the, their platform and their time to talk.
2: And I'm not trying to raise anyone's voice. It's just, we haven't talked about, we haven't all been together in a long time. And it's, no. she is someone that we admire. She's a big part of the Barbie narrative, you know, that everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a reason for that. And everyone loves that. And, it's, it's, um, I, and, and I only know about the three. I've heard the three dancers on Chris Cuomo. I've read comments from the director and from, and from one of her uh, past associates. I didn't know there was 12. But um, there was, there's something in this clickbait world. There's something about an unflattering picture of Lizzo with a headline that sort of screaming there's
3: no doubt that people have been gunning for Lizzo that that there are that she is disliked by a large swath of
2: for um, being brave on that level for,
3: be, for being who she is yes but i think that that might be separate from what's happening i think I that it. It, it it's sort of dovetailing and it's like let you know now is now is the chance to get rid of her because of this but i still want to hear all sides
2: yes and thank you. It is, it's, it's compassion. It's compassion for both sides, James. Thank you for, for clarifying yeah. that, but just, and let it, let the truth
1: come forward and see yeah, what happens. Definitely.
3: And, definitely. and yeah. Tom, I'm glad you spoke
1: about it. Like, rather than us just ignoring it. And but,
3: you know, she's, she, she's done things at world of wonder and she has been an absolute delight. And I, every time I've met her, I've walked away thinking now that is a fantastic, you know, I, I, I get goosebumps thinking about how wonderful she is. Yep. So I, mm-hmm. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Thank you.
1: More to be revealed. Um, Number three, James. Number three.
3: There are two musicals. One is already out on Broadway, and the other is coming that I wanted to talk about for very specific reasons. The first one that's coming, it was just announced that The Warriors is going to be made into a musical. The 1979 cult classic. Warriors,
2: come out and play.
3: play. It's about a a, a dystopian New York future where the gangs have overrun the city and every gang is a colorful, like (laughs) campy as hell. Uh, You know, they have different names and costumes and everything. And the warriors are framed for a murder and they've got to get from the Bronx to Coney Island in 24 hours to clear their name. And they have to run, make the gauntlet of all the different gangs. And in the original script there was a gay gang called the Dingoes and they were leather queens and they got cut out of the movie. And I'm hoping that we'll have a woke warriors. Oh, the that, that the Dingoes are the back, gang baby. Gang. The Dingoes are back. The Dingoes are back. But it, it starred, if you remember, um, oh gosh, Michael Beck, who was also the star of... Xanadu. The, the other great, <laughs> yes. Uh, that year he had two great camp cults. Camp Roles. Anyway, the other one now, Fenton. This is for you. This is playing on Broadway right now, and Tom, you should probably go see it. It's called Here Lies Love. Oh, yes, you know I, about. I Broadway. saw it
2: off Broadway. You I did. saw it off Broadway too. Yes, okay.
3: it's David Byrne collaborating with Fat Boy Slim, telling the story of Amelda Marcos. And when you saw it, was it on stage, and you were the dancers?
1: It was in the sort of, in the round. It was immersive, right? There were platforms that would be reassembled and you, the audience was standing, would sort of move around it, right, Tom? Yes, Yes. I remember leaning a lot during it. It was a very good show, but I'm just like, oh... Well, uh, interestingly, though, it,
3: it, it tells the story of Imelda Marcos and Fernand Marcos, and it's t- it's in her palace disco and they're singing the stories and singing the the you know the plot along and everybody is dancing along and then it's studio fifty-four and then it's her apartment disco, blah blah blah. Well, you know, Fenton, we have had for years we've sort of noodled around with the concept of how do we tell do disco bloodbath as a you know party monster as a Broadway show. And we've come up with millions of different ideas. But what if we are in the club and the audience is the the members and the people, you know, it's Michael and, and Angel and everybody singing their songs while everyone
1: is dancing and having the actual Limelight Club experience? Well, indeed, yes. And you, you you get your ticket and you get a bump of special K. It's I- true. Yes. Yes.
2: The, every, the- every fifth bump is a real bump of K. That's how you get people to go. Every fifth bump.
3: <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's more, it's not quite as ambulatory as Tony and Tina's wedding, but it's not as static as, say, Evita. So it's. But when they did head over
2: heels, heels with the the Go Go's musical in New York, when it was restaged at the Passing the Playhouse, they did it modularly,
1: mm-hmm. so it
2: was a little bit of that too. But it's very effective. It's very fun. As it is. You're I, out, I'm you're always fascinated. in a state
1: of high anxiety that some sort of performance, uh, audience performance, is going to be required. Oh, they're going
3: to come and pluck you out and say, "Will you dance on stage?" Yeah, they're going to come
1: sort of, <laughs> yeah. So I was like always like hugging the sides, like standing in a corner. <laughs>
2: I just don't want to be hypnotized on stage like they used to do in the 60s. I just don't want to do I just don't
1: want that. Remember out. who was
3: the hip hypnotist? What was her name? Pat, Pat something?
2: Pat the hip hypnotist.
1: I loved her. We need to bring her back. <laughs> see if she's still around. I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but years ago, we actually made a film uh with and about Imelda Marcos um called Dictators of Style. And it was the the goal was that this would be the first in a series about how dictators use their power and their countries as a kind of canvas for their mad visions and i I, I, it's my turn to get cancelled i actually really liked her i thought she was she was this eccentric uh very charismatic as you'd probably expect of a former beauty queen and just indefatigable i mean we were like drooping and just dying to go to bed and stop filming but she would set up the slide projector and she was talking for three hours about this building and that building and um, it was pretty amazing. Well,
3: I mean Um, there's a reason why she was you know a club star it's because she had that charisma and she was. called
1: it disco diplomacy and in, in many ways she did put the Philippines on the map in term on the world stage I should say on the walls and you know with, um
3: bong bong Marcos is now in charge of the yes. Philippines yeah and Imelda
1: the- is still with us I mean yeah wow. she was, yeah, yeah she must be in her mid 90s uh, maybe almost a hundred I mean, huh um, all right that's here lies love and, and the Warriors right the Warriors, yeah mm. number two number two this is for you James uh, I was just out shooting and we were in New York and the maritime was full and they said, oh, don't worry. You should check out the Chelsea hotel because it's the, yeah, we went and stayed at the Chelsea, the new Chelsea, the renovated. what did and they do? what they do? It is gorgeous. It has been, I was going to say restored, but it, it, it's that sort of retroactive design sense that, you know, is better than it ever was originally. And it's just, it's sort of theme parky, I suppose, but it is just gorgeous. Now the Chelsea has been under renovation, I think, for almost fifteen years. Yeah, like, yeah, the hotel was sold, um, and then d- passed you from know. developer to developer. And the residents who've been living in the Chelsea since the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, they never left. Susanna's
3: still there, and we know Suzanne's, that,
1: right? Um, I think there's uh, 38 apartments still inhabited by residents and they just Converted and made over all the rooms around them. I walked by a million. I'm sorry,
3: go ahead. Uh, well, the, the thing is, I mean, the rooms, I've been in the Chelsea Hotel a million times in the 80s and 90s, and the rooms were just minuscule and disgusting little flea bag rat traps. How did they manage to convert them into something chic and
1: nice? Very good question. The rooms are still minuscule, but they are gorgeous with mm. marble fireplaces. Uh, wedding cake, uh, plaster borders, a beautiful sort of dusty rose on the wall with a cream color, gorgeous tassels. It's just been beautifully done. So the the sort of ratty, nasty bit is gone, and it's just opulence. It's but just- what
3: about that? St- well, I've also heard because I was talking to your assistant today, um, uh, not um, uh, Justin, Justin Tom. Justin. I was talking to your, to Justin today who stayed there. And I said, well, you know, the, it, initially all the, if you couldn't pay your rent, you were able to donate a painting and they would hang it in the lobby and the lobby was filled with thousands of, of paintings. And he said that now all of those line the
1: stairwell. They do. Yeah.
3: And it, what does the lobby look like?
1: The lobby it, it's, it looks smaller than it used to, um, but it's, It's just a classic hotel lobby and it's, and there's a lovely restaurant and they're about to reopen the, um, what was it called? The the, the, the El Cajito, this old school Spanish restaurant. Yeah, sure. It's this weird mixture of respecting the, kind of like, it's a nostalgia for a past that probably never existed. But it's just chicified. It's like a it's a boutique hotel. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people just go, Ugh, I hate it. It's inauthentic. But for like, wusses like me, I'm just like, oh, well, this, if only if Chelsea was like this all along, I would have loved it. Yeah. For a
2: regular room, more than the Maritime or less than the Maritime?
1: Varies, actually. I mean, you know, I think the rooms go from like 200 to 600. So it's not, for New York City, it's not as not crazy oh, sadly that's not crazy
2: yeah no
3: and did you uh, have like a slightly bigger room i mean are there to say sizes? randy
2: was
1: in the 200 room and you were in the 600 room is that how it worked well actually what happened is um we did get a suite because we were filming and so we needed somewhere to film someone so randy got to stay in the suite and i stayed in the regular little petite room but i was just totally happy i mean it wasn't like you you know need a lot of space it was no i like, agree and I had a lovely balcony. In fact, I'll post a picture on the War Report. I had a lovely little balcony right by the sign. So just that iconic shot. I got the, the, you know. That's iconic. on 23rd Street, right? It is on 23rd Street. Is the
2: Tasty street. Donut still there across the street, Kitty Corner?
1: You know what the shocking thing is? arrived on a Sunday afternoon, left... Tuesday afternoon, I did not leave the hotel. Once. Oh, <laughs> I I remained inside the entire time. My hats off to you, sir. My hats off yeah. to you. Um, and of course, it's the same group who own, you know, the Bowery, the Ludlow, the Jane, the Greenwich, and the, and of course the Maritime. Was it that well, Eric? Yeah, I mean, it's Eric, Sean McPherson, um, and what have you. Yeah. All right. Let's take one more break. And when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow. Wow! You're listening to World of Wonders, WOW Report. Wow. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the WOW Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. And we've reached number one.
2: Number
1: one. Number one is
2: we're way over this week and Blake is really cross at us. Yes. <laughs> but we would be remiss not to bring up prayers and good wishes and, and just sh- shock and horror over what's the fires that are happening in Hawaii, specifically Maui. It's um, shocking to see. It feels like it's a place on earth that so many people have visited and have a connection to. And so it's always traumatic when natural disasters happen, but this one seems to hit home for lots of people.
1: Yeah, beautifully said. I mean, doesn't it seem though as if There's a lot more of these fires. Yes. Like Greece and Canada. And it's, it's a little, it's more for real. real.
2: It's for real. Mm -hmm. The, The
3: horror to me was the stories of the people who had to be, they were being chased by the fire and they had to actually jump into the water to escape it. And, you know, then they were, some of them were being swept out to sea and, it's just the. It's just absolutely
2: horrific. The right. the tales of the different people. It happened so quickly. The 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 the. I I listen to more of it on the radio because I have trouble seeing. I have trouble watching. It makes me cry. Mm-hmm. But um, and somebody we all know and work with, you know, friend of a friend, but the grandmother's missing and they're not sure is that because the communication being down. But it's what yeah. a horrible thing mm-hmm. to live through. So God bless them.
1: Yeah. Well. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, Tom. And thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Um, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. wow.